Well, hey, everybody, and a very big welcome. Thank you so much for joining us here as we continue this series entitled Peculiar, how you have been chosen, how you have been set aside by God to do a special work, achieve something eternal in your life. Before we jump into part three, let's pray together, and then we'll get stuck straight into the Word. Father, we thank you that we can come together from wherever we are in the world. We can enjoy fellowship with you. We can enjoy proximity to you. We can enjoy being taught by you. We can enjoy being taken and stretched and made better by you. Father, thank you for all that you do in our lives, that we can become better witnesses of who you are. We love you and we honor you. And around the world, we declare you our God, for there is no other. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, a very big welcome. We are really excited about what this message series entitled Peculiar is doing to hearts and minds around the world. Thank you so much for all of your feedback. Thank you so much for all of the things that you've been saying and contributing towards this message on the Facebook group. You keep those comments and you keep those thoughts coming. We love hearing from you and what God's word is doing to you around the world. Thank you so much for all your comments. Peculiar is kind of a word that we don't often like to think of ourselves as. We, we sometimes think that maybe it, it means that we're weird, that we're different, that we, we outcast, that we set aside and, and we're going to be mocked and scorned. Well, all of those things are true around this word peculiar. And we've been having a look at 1 Peter chapter 2, where he calls us a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a different kind of people, a different kind of breed. We approach life differently. We are peculiar to the norm because we have a faith that's been put on the inside of us that helps us attack life slightly differently to the masses. Today, I wanted to jump into Peculiar 3 and have a look at it as how we are called to be the light in the dark situations, how we have been called, how we've been asked by God to be different to the darkness around us. You've been called to be light, not dark, and if the world is dark, well then to be light in a dark world is different, is peculiar to your surrounds. When we have a look at this, this scripture that we've been going through in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter, who wrote the book, who was never always called, he was always just an ordinary fisherman for a long time, and then Jesus came along and said, I'm going to make you peculiar, I'm going to make you different, I'm going to take you out of your current situation, and you're going to impact the world forever. Peter all of a sudden got this, this understanding that he wasn't what he did, he was what he was called to be that counted. And so he begins to write this book of 1 Peter to a bunch of persecuted Christians who were being burned to death, they were being mauled to death, they were being just really persecuted. And Peter answers their questions about, are we just, are we just feed for the lions? Are we just to be put to death? Is that who we are? Are we just these downtrodden, persecuted people? And Peter writes this, this chapter, and he, he tries to explain to these persecuted, downtrodden Christians how different they are, how peculiar they are, how they've been set aside and made into a holy nation. In fact, Peter uses this word calling, called, to be called or to call over and over again in the book of Peter. He was writing, and he wanted to let them know that they were much more than their circumstance. He wanted to let them know that they were called to something that far transcended what their current circumstance was. And he, he tries to paint the picture in this book by calling us peculiar, by saying, hey, when God calls you, 
That calling empowers you. He doesn't call you to get a job done. He doesn't call you to just do something for him. No, he calls you to empower and embolden you. And I, and I was wrestling with this for a little while, and I thought to myself, hey, I, I've always been under the impression that I've been called by God to be a good Christian, to, to do the right thing, and to go to church, and to serve at my local church, and I eventually became a pastor because, hey, that was what God called me to do. And I realized that actually, when I get wrapped up in what I'm doing, I have no power. I, I become a slave to what I am and what I'm doing, not who God is in me and what he's called me to be. Your calling and my calling are exactly the same. Your calling and my calling are to be set aside, to be made holy, to be light to the world, not just do what we do. And I thought about this a little bit longer, and I, and I remember there in, in grade five, it, it was standard three. We, we used to work in standards in South Africa. You, it was the equivalent of grade five. It was standard three. And that was the first year in my schooling career that, that I was asked, called, chosen to be the class captain, the class monitor. And they gave me a badge, and on it it said, class captain. And I wore that badge. I loved that badge. I had been set aside. I had been called out to be something. I had been chosen to lead. And, and I even remember, I, I remember one, one time, it was swelteringly hot. Everybody else was in, was in T-shirts. I wasn't even at school, but I had a denim jacket on, and I had my class captain badge. I think, if I remember correctly, our family was out at the zoo, and there I was wearing my class captain badge because I had been chosen. I was the class captain of grade five, John Graham Primary School in Cape Town, South Africa. There I was, chosen from all of the people in my class to be the class captain. And I remembered then that, hey, I wasn't just chosen to be the class captain. I was chosen to do class differently. I, I could tell people what to do. I could monitor the class when the teacher was out. I could make sure you had a hall pass when you were walking down the corridor. But I was actually asked to be on better behavior because I was the class captain. I would, was called to lead by example because I was the class captain. And because I was the class captain... And I'd been chosen, I'd been, been made peculiar, I'd been set aside, I'd been made holy. Because I was the class captain, I felt a sense of empowerment. I felt a sense of authority. I felt a sense of purpose. And that's what Peter was trying to explain to us, that by being chosen, by giving, being made peculiar, by being told that I was special, by being told that I was, was chosen by God, that was to empower me, not just get a job done. It was called to empower me to have a better character, to live life differently. And so I began to reason with Peter's words that, hey, maybe God doesn't call us to get a job done. Maybe he calls us to empower us. And then I had a look at this word peculiar that's used in 1 Peter 2 verse 9. And, and somebody just mentioned this word and what it, it could mean to me. Just before we got up to record this message, he, he mentioned to me that, you know, the, the word peculiar has a definition. It's about the third or fourth definition down on Google definitions when you have a look it up. But it, it means to, to, to demonstrate or it is to be set aside, 
to who you belong to characteristically, who you are most like characteristically. So to be made peculiar, to be set aside, is to empower us by having the characteristics of Jesus Christ. We have been empowered, we have been emboldened because we are peculiar. We are akin to the characteristics of Jesus. In other words, to walk out our calling is to walk out the characteristics of Jesus being the light in a dark world. We are to be emboldened. We are to be empowered by being akin to the characteristics of Jesus. And that's what Peter was trying to tell us. He was trying to tell us that you are peculiar, not weird. No, the, weird, the world sees us in an oddball, weird kind of way. We are peculiar because we belong to Jesus characteristically. People look at us and they see Jesus. We are a peculiar people for his name. We have been made in the image of God and we have been set aside to be peculiarly attached to the characteristics of Jesus. And then I thought to myself, well, if I was emboldened, by being the class captain, why did I feel so gutted in grade four when I wasn't the class captain? Man, I remember that day. I was bitter and twisted. In fact, I think I went home and sulked for a week because there was this girl called Revel Haylett. And uh, Revel, if you're watching this, forgive me for using your full name. I probably know that uh, you probably don't have that same surname, so people won't be able to track you down on Facebook. But this girl, Revel, she, she was always neck and neck with me in competition. We were always going for the, the best academic on the second best academic. We were second wasn't good enough if I was second to Revel. Revel Haylett was my nemesis. I, I had to beat her. And in grade four, she was made class captain and given my badge. I was sulking. I was gutted. And today I realize that when I put my value or my peculiarity in what I do, that's just a temporary call. And, and my, my, my emboldening, my power is only temporary if I put my trust in the temporary call. Working the church, being a pastor, that's just a temporary call in my life. That's not my peculiarity. That's not what makes me who I am. That's not what sets me aside. Making coffee in the church, helping out at a local food bank, serving soup, all good things. But that's not what makes you peculiar. That what's not, that's not what attaches you to the characteristics of Jesus. That's what we do. And when we put our trust in a, in a temporary call, not an eternal call, when we put our trust in that temporary moment, well, then we're going to have temporary power. We're going to have temporary purpose. We're going to have temporary direction. No, being called by God to be peculiarly attached to the characteristics of Jesus is an eternal call, and it will always give us power. It will always embolden us, and it will always strengthen us. We have been called to be unlikely, peculiar, not weird, not odd. No, we have been called to attach ourselves to who we belong to, and that is, in, is demonstrated by our characteristics. It's demonstrated by how we act and how we behave, how we are the light in the dark. What is that eternal call? How do I demonstrate that I am attached characteristically to Jesus? How do I stand up and make a difference? How am I supposed to act? How am I supposed to be the light in the dark? Well, this eternal call to Christ, a peculiar people for his name, 
this eternal call to Christ is actually a simple daily activity. A simple daily activity that is to a different standard of living. You and I are to attach ourselves to the characteristics of Jesus because we are being, have been called to daily walk out life at a different standard. The world will have us pull down our morals. No, we are peculiar to the characteristics of Jesus. We raise the bar. The world will have us believe that we're not good enough. No, we are attached to the characteristics of Jesus, and we are more than conquerors. You see, this is a daily call to live life at a different standard than what the norm is telling us to be. We do things completely differently to the world. We are peculiar from the world. We are not attached to the world's characteristics. We are attached to Jesus' characteristics. And so when God calls you, he's calling you to be a who before he calls you to do. He will always call your character. He will always form your eternal purpose. He will always shape a long-term goal, not just a temporary one in you. He wants you to know who you are before you do what you do. He wants you to be certain of the characteristics, the standards that you are to live to, because you want to honor Him, not get something done. God will always call you to a who before he calls you to a do. This sounds like some books I used to read as a kid. Thing one and thing two. But God will always call you to a who before he calls you to a do. You see, you are a who before you get to do the do. When you know who you are, you will know what to do. When you know who you've been peculiarly attached to, when you know what characteristics you have to live your life by, when you know what moral standard you are called to govern decisions by, when you know who you are with Jesus, you will know what to do. The crazy thing is, if you don't know who you are and you don't know who your purpose is, you've attached your peculiar characteristics to the world and not to Jesus. Jesus will always give you a purpose. He will always give you a divine plan. He will always shape something in your day that is of a higher calling than what you could do on your own. He will always propel you forward. You will always know where you're going when you're with Jesus. But when you attach yourself peculiarly to the characteristics of the world, you will always find yourself lost. You will always find yourself confused. You will always find yourself chasing the temporary badge that gives you a temporary empowerment and a temporary emboldening. It, it's not permanent. It's like chasing after the wind. You'll have it one day and you'll lose it the next. You'll have it in your hand one day when you're in charge and the next day a rebel halot will come and snatch it away from you and you will be gutted and you will be completely crushed. But when I know who I am in Jesus, whether I'm the class captain or not, makes no difference because I know that I've been called to live according to Jesus's characteristics and not the world's, which creates confusion in my life. What am I called to do? I'm called to live my life to a different set of standards and characteristics. So here was Peter writing to these persecuted, downtrodden Christians. Oh, they were being accused of all sorts of things at the time. They were, they were being accused of being magicians. They were being called superstitious. Jesus was the lead magician. He was creating miracles, and, and he was the head magician. They were having these love festivals, 
We, we used to read in Scripture about the agape meetings that the, the brothers and sisters of the first century church used to have, and they would invite their brothers and sisters in Christ to give and share. Romans chapter 12, sorry, Acts chapter 2, not Romans chapter 12. They were giving and sharing all that they had. Well, the persecutors of the time, the Jews who were trying to find fault with the Christians, would accuse them of being incestuous. They were having love festivals with their brothers and their sisters. And then on top of that, they were also being accused of being cannibals because Jesus said, take, eat of my body and drink of my blood. And so all of this accusation and persecution headed up by this crazy guy called Nero who was just accusing them to further his own political gain and, and scratch a, a building itch that he had. He wanted to build, so he burned things down and blamed other people. And he was, just, he was just an evil, horrid man. And Peter was writing to this bunch of persecuted Christians and they were looking at what they were doing and what was being done to them, and they were putting their value on how they were being treated. Have you ever done that? Created your value on what life has dealt you. Created a value of who you are by what people have said to you or what has stirred up on your inside of your mind and what you've called yourself. The person who used to call me the biggest names under the sun when I was growing up was myself. I used to blame myself and shame myself and think down of myself. And, and, and as a result, Peter is writing to you and to me today. He's saying, I know that you're having it difficult, but you are called to a different set of standards and you are called to a different set of characteristics. You are peculiarly Jesus. You are peculiarly with Jesus. And so he's calling these persecuted Christians, you and I, we might not be called incestuous, we might not be called cannibals, we might not be called all these other things, but we are being called names today. Because of our desire to live at a higher moral standard, we are being called self-righteous, judgmental, intolerant bigots. Those are the things we're being called today because we wish to live our lives on a daily basis to a higher moral code. Well, people think that we are being hypocritical, that we're being judgmental, and sadly, some Christians... They deserve those titles. But when we're genuinely walking out what Jesus has called us to be, we're going to get persecuted, just like those Christians. There's lions that are wanting to consume us. There's things that want to expel us and get us down and get us to be quiet. They don't want to hear about the higher moral standards. They don't want to hear about the characteristics of Jesus. They want to hear about what makes them happy and not holy. Remember, from last week, we are called to be holy, not happy. You're not who you are. You are not who you were. You are not the things that have been said or done to you. You are a new creation. You have been redeemed. You have been set free. You are not superstitious. You're not incestuous. You're not cannibals. You're not self-righteous. You're not judgmental. You're not a bigot. You are a child of Christ. You are the promise of the Father. You are the future of the kingdom. You are what God says you are, and you are to live your life according to the standards that come from the promises, not the curses and condemnation. Peter was writing to the suffering and despised Christian body, and he was calling them to realize their holiness, realize that they had been attached to Jesus, which went far beyond the names that they were being called. Christ is calling you to this different standard, not of living only, but a different standard of thinking. 
In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, it says this, You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of this darkness into his wonderful light. In verse 11, he goes on and says this, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents, as foreigners, we covered that in week one, to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly amongst your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will be given honor to God when he judges the world. You see, Peter was trying to tell these Christians that because of your higher calling, you can change those who persecute you. Because of your characteristic attachment to Jesus, you can change your community. You can change the situation around you. You don't have to become like it. It can become like you if you become like Jesus. Peter's not saying that we have to convince everybody what we believe is right. No, the Holy Spirit can do that. We just have to show people that what we believe is true by how we behave. I'm not going to tell you about my faith. I'm not going to preach to you about my faith. No, I'm going to walk my faith out to the standards of Jesus. I don't have to be defensive about my faith. I can be offensive about my faith. Faith, and how many of you know that when I'm being peculiar for Jesus and I'm not going to be defensive, I'm going to be offensive. Another derivative word of being offensive is to offend. I'm going to offend those that don't believe like I do. You don't have to be nice to help people believe what you believe. You need to just be who Christ has called you to be, and that's the best offensive against persecution. It's going to cause some offense. If you don't like conflict in your life, if you don't like butting heads with people, that's okay. Jesus, through his care, through his love, through his generosity, through his gentleness that will flow through you when you live to a different moral standard, will be the convincer, will do the convincing for you. And that offense will slowly start to change people's lives around you. We become so wrapped up in telling people what we don't stand for, what we're not for, we don't do this, what we're against, we're against this, we're against that. We get so defensive by rather telling people what we are will change their lives. Telling people what we're against is creating unnecessary offense. But telling people who Jesus is will go on that offensive or offensive against Satan the devil and what he's trying to accuse you of. Second, 1 Peter 2 verse 15 says this, let's be generous, let's live righteous lives, let's be loving. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. I often say to my kids, when somebody's made an accusation against them, called them a name, I'd look at my kids and I'd go, well, is it true? And they would go, no, it's not true. And through the hurts of being called that name, the truth about who they are is called out. And the truth about who Jesus has called you to be trumps the accusation. It trumps the name that they have been called. We need to lead the way with irrational love. If you think that being a Christian means that you will never be persecuted, you will never ever have a, a nasty email or somebody post a nasty comment on your Facebook page, think again. 
We are going to face difficulty. We are going to face challenges being the light in the dark. The dark doesn't want the light. It wants to be dark, but it needs the light. It needs us to live according to this higher moral standard, this higher level of living. The higher level is not some pious, self-righteous level of living. No, the higher level of learning is in humility, is in serving, is in loving the unlovable, is in showing care to those who've hurt you. It's not judging those who've judged you. That's the higher level that Jesus has called us to be. For God called you to do good, 1 Peter 2.21, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example and you must follow in his steps. You must become like him. You must have his characteristics. You, maybe you didn't get that promotion. Maybe somebody's made fun of you. Maybe you're not the one that was invited to the party. You're the only one left out. Sounds like Jesus. Sounds like Jesus. You see, Jesus, when he found those who were weak around him, even when he was weak, he was gentle and he was loving to them. Even those who came up against him because they didn't understand what was happening. He said things like, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Father, forgive them. They just don't understand what's going on here. I have a higher calling. I know who I am. I know where I'm going. And they are still ignorant to the greater things. So forgive them. You see, the truth always trumps the accusation. When he was rejected and to the rejected, he was loving. When he was being sinned against and to the sinners, he was forgiving. He always looked for the characteristic based out of love, not the characteristic based out of hurt and hate. He was not proud, arrogant, condescending, defensive, or hateful. How many proud, arrogant, condescending, and hateful Christians do you know? Quite a few, probably. Well, you see, we're not called to be any of those because Jesus wasn't any of those. No, he was the light. He was hope. He was the greater things in life, and he represented that. That's why people came to him. He never sinned. He never deceived anyone. He didn't retaliate when he was insulted. He didn't threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God the Father, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we could be dead to sin and live for what is right. 1 Peter chapter 2, 22 and 24. Peter continues, what he said would make you more peculiar. He said, the more peculiar, the more you can attach your, yourself to the light of Jesus, the more you can be akin to his characteristics, the more you can live according to his moral code, the more you can serve those that hate you, the more you can love your enemy, the more that you can forgive those who've hurt you, the more peculiar you become, the higher level of preaching, the higher level of demonstration of his love that there will be. When you are uncharacteristic in the world, you are characteristically attaching yourself to Jesus. The norm, curse those who curse you. Hate those who hate you. Unforgiveness, retribution, redemption, revenge. That's the norm. But we need to be uncharacteristic in the world. We need to be peculiarly attached to Jesus don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. 
and he will grant you his blessing, 1 Peter 3 and verse 9. We have been called to go the extra mile when it hurts the most. We have been called to forgive when it's the most difficult situation to forgive in. We have been called to give extraordinary, divine, eternal kind of love when we feel the most unloved. When we feel the most rejected, Jesus has called you to accept those who are rejected. When we feel the most put down, Jesus has asked us to stand up. When we feel like we need to be at the back of the room, Jesus has called us to come to the front. When we feel we can't go on, Jesus has called us to pray on. When we can't win the prize, he says, keep your eyes on the prize. Every single time we are to step down according to the world's definition. Every time we feel put down by the world, every time we feel felt put down by those around us, Jesus is saying, uncharacteristically, stand up and show me off. Stand up and show Jesus off in your situation right now. Show others that Jesus is in you and living through you, not by what you do, but by who you are. You see, when the world is spinning out of control, we have a prince of peace and we can uncharacteristically have peace. When the world is depressed, tired, and exhausted, we have energy, faith, passion, and determination. You are called to go the extra mile, bless those who persecute you, and love your enemies. That's what makes you different. That's what makes you peculiar. You do things that the world finds strange. Because the things that the world finds strange are normal characteristics of Jesus Christ. To the world, it's peculiar in a weird way. But to us, that's peculiar in a way that shows that we characteristically belong to Jesus. You have been called to be the light in the dark world. You have been called to be that light when everything else around you is dark. Now, I remember for many years, I was a firefighter and then a paramedic, and, and I loved, I absolutely loved it when I was on first line call because I knew that when the bells rang, when the sirens went off in the station, I was it. You are on call 24-7 to be Jesus to everybody around you, to be the light in a dark world, not to grow dim because you're walking in darkness, no, to grow brighter despite the darkness. When those bells sound and those sirens wake you up in the middle of the night, you stand because you are on call. You have been set aside by God, empowered into the situation you find yourself to be the difference maker. You have been given a badge, you're not the class captain, and it's not going to go to revel next year. No, you have been given an eternal badge, called to do good, chosen by God, a royal priest, a holy nation, people belonging characteristically to Jesus. When you're feeling down and depressed, you look out for the bullied. When you have family members betray you, you go and find someone to forgive, or you forgive them. When you find a neighbor that can't mow his lawn, because 
he always has that bad end of the stick. His mower's always broken. He's always having a bad day. You go out and you mow his lawn. When you find somebody that's left out, you include them. When you find somebody that's taking advantage, you love them. When you find somebody that's short of dollars or money for groceries, you buy them groceries. When you find somebody that's in need, you connect them to a local church. You are on call. You are on call to love. You are on call to serve. You are on call call to give. You are on call to be a blessing. On call to find a need and fill it, find a hurt and heal it. You are on call and have been called. You are chosen by God. You are a royal priest, a holy nation. You are a person that belongs to Jesus because you've adopted his characteristics and you are characteristically attached to him. Amen. I hope that blessed you. I hope that you are inspired knowing that you have been called to be uncharacteristically different to this world and characteristically attached to Jesus and what he wants you to do. That is your calling. You have been called to be holy, not necessarily happy. Your holiness is what sets you apart, living at a different standard, not a higher standard, not a better standard, a different standard to the world. That different standard, because it's with Jesus, is higher and is better because it's one of humility, it's one of love, it's one of service, and it's one that will bless you and all of those around you. I'm so excited by the change that this message is doing in me. Go out right now. Why don't you take First Peter, the whole book, read it as often as you can to solidify in you that you are special despite your circumstances. You have been called despite your situation. You have been made strong despite your weaknesses. That's the power of the character of Jesus in our lives. We can stand, rise, rise ourselves beyond and above the normal, the quagmire of what everybody else would do, and we could show off what Jesus would do in that situation. Thank you for being a part. We're going to pray. We're going to bless you. And then you can go about your way. Why don't you join the chat room? Let them know what the message has done for you. I'm looking forward to seeing you this weekend and into mid next midweek services as we continue the Peculiar Series. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for calling us. We thank you for putting in us that you have called us as people to be a who before you call us to get a job done. Before you call us to a temporary assignment, you have given us an eternal assignment. Father, we thank you and we honor you. We can't believe that you chose us. We can't believe that you called us. And just by, by hearing that call, hearing that nod of approval, hearing that, well done, my son, well done, my daughter, I want you to go and be like Jesus. Just hearing that call in our lives excites us, it empowers us, and it emboldens us. Thank you for giving all that you've given to us by calling us to be like Jesus. We love you and we honor you and we call you our God today and there is no other. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, hope today's message was blessed. Jump in the chat room, leave your notes, get the notes down off the notes tab, share on Facebook, join us on our Facebook group and discuss what this message is doing for you. Thank you so very much for joining us here at Victory Life Church Online. Look forward to seeing you again really, really soon. You be blessed.